Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Hour number two of our program. Welcome back. I'm Bill Shanks with Skip Seda here on this Friday. We are broadcasting live from the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame, where tonight we will have the jacket ceremony, and then tomorrow again the Fan Fest, followed by the main ceremony tomorrow night at the Macon City Auditorium. And again, we invite you to come if you're in middle Georgia for the Fan Fest tomorrow to uh, meet the Hall of Famers, get autographs, take your pictures with them, shake their hand, thank them for what they've done, and just uh, be a part of the weekend here at the museum on Cherry Street in Macon. We are thrilled and honored to have Coach Paul Johnson, CPJ. You'll always be CPJ. You know that, don't you? I guess to some people. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's great to see you. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm good and and so happy for you. And, and uh, all you need to be is another Hall of Fame, right? Uh, you're getting tired of this Hall of Fame well, stuff? Well, no, I don't think you should ever get tired of that. It's, it's quite an honor and, uh, you know, it's uh, – I'm really blessed. I I was fortunate enough. I had a long career and, uh, you know, probably got out about the right time. I'm going to go backwards a little bit. I'm not going to start with how – I'm not going to start with Georgia Southern. Uh, I'm going to kind of go backwards. Do you miss it? I miss the competition. I miss the relationships. Uh, and, and certainly uh, there's part of it. A, a lot of it that I miss. I don't miss all the craziness, and, and there's more of that going on. And and uh, boy, it's changed since you left. It's it? changed a great deal. You know, I, I my timing was kind of impeccable. I got out right before COVID, and uh, nobody saw that coming. And now, with the transfer portal and the NIL and all that, it's just a completely different game. And the schools have had to change. You know. Uh, we were talking earlier, I was telling somebody when I was at Georgia Tech, we weren't allowed to take transfers. And I think in my 11 years there, we I could count on one hand, we got two or three, but I mean, I would have to go up. I remember we took a young man from Stanford that had graduated from Stanford with a 3.2 and they wouldn't let him in. I mean, I had to go all the way to the, to the president to get him in and he goes, one time, he said, we'll let, you know. And, uh, wow. Remember Anthony Allen, who transferred from Louisville? Uh-huh. Uh huh. They made him go to a junior college and take a math course before they would accept him, and he had over a three point at Louisville. So they had to change it. They couldn't function in today's no, world. No, it's crazy. I don't, coach. I don't know how today's coaches survive. I mean, it, the stress level has got. To, I mean, it, you, look, they're well compensated. They live a good life. There's no question. But it's got to be nonstop right now, doesn't it? I mean, how do they have any downtime because they've got to recruit their own players? They've got to think about the transfer portal. It's it's crazy, isn't well, it? Well, it's always been that way. I mean, it, it, they're really – when you first when I first started, there was a little bit of downtime after camps in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you'd have a little bit of downtime up until we used to – I used to kind of think through July 4th, and then after that, you kind of were shut down until you'd get a little bit of time in uh, after the signing date in February before spring ball started. And, you know, they put in a rule where the head coaches couldn't go on the road in the spring. So that gave you some time with your team back and and, and do that. But 
It's pretty much always been a, a year round. One of the things that used to frustrate me the most was, uh, you know, on the unofficial visits, and, and they would set something up. All the assistant coaches would go, "Okay, coach, I got Jimmy coming in on Saturday morning at ten, and this one coming in Saturday at eleven, and this one." And then you sit there all day, and they don't show, you know, because it's unofficial visits or whatever. They change their plans, and 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 you're just sitting there, <laughs> sitting there waiting. So. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, now if you're not recruiting your own team every day, you're losing them. They're going out the back door. I know. It's unbelievable. It, it really is. Well, um, I, I think the most surprising thing to me about your post-coaching career is you haven't done anything with that microphone full-time. I thought – I remember telling our mutual friend Carl Hofstadt, so he's going to be outstanding on television. Have you had opportunities to do that? Have you been tempted to do that? When I first retired – I talked to a couple of people, and it just nothing had really ever materialized. And uh, you know, I didn't really pursue it, mm-hmm. and uh, wasn't sure I'd want to do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I don't mean it. Just there never was a real what I would consider an opportunity. I, Mike Smith and I are really good friends. The former coach of the Falcons, and we live about forty-five minutes apart. In the summer, we play a lot of golf together and do things. And when he first got out, he did some stuff with the NFL Network, and he told me it's not worth it. <laughs> really? He goes, the time you have to prep and, yeah. you know, spend and go in and talk to the coaches and the players, and and this sounds awful, but, you know, he said they, they only want to pay you, you know, a couple thousand dollars to do a game. And he goes, unless you want to get back in it. Right. Right. It's probably not worth doing. And, uh I didn't want to be, you know, in Miami of Ohio on a Tuesday night in the snow calling the <laughs> Miami of Ohio Akron game. And right. uh, I'd rather just sit on my couch and watch it on TV. <laughs> well, I remember you uh, were around one of those broadcasts that they do on the championship games mm-hmm. where they have a couple of coaches right, around, table. like on ESPN2 mm-hmm. or whatever. And I, I, I thought watching that that you looked like you were enjoying it. Uh, I, I think it could be fun. Uh, you know, I, I visited a little bit with uh, a, a guy from CBS Sports, and they were talking about doing the Academy Games, mm-hmm. yeah. which would have been fun because, you know, they have the Army-Navy game. Uh, sure. You know, they have all their games. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just never – I never really followed up. They never really followed up, and I just kind of let it go. So you're playing golf. You're, you're playing a lot of golf. How often? How much? Uh, well, during the summer, I play a lot. Uh, we've got a good group at our club up in North Carolina, and I probably play about four or five days a week and uh, not getting any better. I was going to ask, you got any better with all that extra time playing? <laughs> no. I, I think as you get older. to start with. I think as you get older, you get worse. Uh, and uh, I've tweaked my back a couple of times, so sometimes, you know, I, I lay off for a little bit. But, uh, you know, it, out in we go to Arizona now in the winter, and and I'll play a little bit out there, but not as much as I do in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So you just take it easy, just retired and enjoying retired life. and just kind of uh, do get our honeydew list. And was that uh, a transition though to go from it, that level it, of involvement to nothing? It was a big transition for my wife. <laughs> you were home. You go from never being home to being there, so we had to get re. <laughs> get our deal reorganized. Uh, but, uh, you know, I found things to do. Uh, I pick up different things. Like 
I I used to enjoy going to the horse track occasionally, and when we're in Arizona, I'll do that some. And you know, I find things to do that yeah. that keep me occupied. And uh, it's neat, like if uh, you know, if you want to pick up and and just go somewhere and do stuff. And our daughter's in Arizona, so we can you know be around them. And if they need us to do stuff, we can do it. And uh, so I stay pretty busy. Coach Paul get, Johnson is our guest. Go ahead, Skip. Do you get recognized in Arizona? A little bit. Uh, more people will think they know you, but they're not sure. Yeah. And they'll come up and ask. And depending on what I'm doing or how I f – sometimes I just tell them no. I'm like, <laughs> I'll go, are, you, are, you, are you Paul Johnson? I'm like, no, I said, but I get that a lot. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, – and then in North Carolina, we're back where I grew up. So yeah. everybody there knows me. I mean, it's like – but it's kind of fun because back there, my wife, Joe, I'm Paul Jr. Because my dad was named okay. Paul. And when I was growing up, I was Paul Jr. So everybody – nobody back home calls me coach. It's all Paul Jr. <laughs> See, but that's cool because you're home. Oh, yeah, exactly. Know? I mean, it's like – and, uh, you, you know, they uh, – like I said to them, I'm just – well, is that part of the attraction from being there? Not really. I mean, the the golf course where we live at Grandfather Golf and Country Club is one of the top two or three courses in the state of North Carolina. And I grew up caddying there. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, my, my family wasn't members there. I mean, we lived in <laughs> Newland, and I would hitchhike over and caddy. And it's kind of neat now to be a member there and have a home on the 10th hole. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I guess it would be. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's good. Was it hard for you to watch football on TV after, especially after you first left? It's still hard sometimes. Uh, the game management stuff, uh, sometimes I just shake my head. I mean, <laughs> with the clock management and uh, just overall game management. And my wife goes, well, that's okay. They did that when you were coaching too. <laughs> so uh, I never did coach. No, uh, I was always but, right there uh, with you. The uh, – yeah, you know, it's but it's fun to sit there and most of the time not really care who wins. Yeah. Coach Paul Johnson is our guest uh, going to the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame this weekend. Obviously, after you left, um, there were problems for Georgia Tech of keeping at the same level of, of what you had it at for 11 years. <clears throat> Regardless of the details of how that happened, did you expect when you left, Coach, because of the of the potential of them changing the offense, if that was the direction they were going to go, that they would have a, a period that it would be tough for them? Not really. I mean, I I think the change in the offense thing gets blown way out of proportion. I mean, we've had to go in and change the offense everywhere I've ever coached. Uh, you know, when, when I went into Georgia Tech, certainly we had to change. When I went to the University of Hawaii, we changed. Uh, we changed when I went back to Navy. They had gotten away from what we were doing. Wow. Uh, Georgia Southern had kind of gotten – they had drifted away after I'd left to, to different things, but maybe not so drastic. But, uh, you know, I could tell you my personal opinion about what happened to Georgia Tech, but I won't get into that. Uh well, the, uh, let, let me ask you this. Were you surprised that Jeff Collins and, – and I know I don't, I'm not asking you to, to, you know, be specific about that. Oh, go ahead. That, that he seemed to want to have the exact opposite of every 
of not everything, but a lot of what you did. Was that a surprise to you? Well, he wanted to reinvent history a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, and I kept thinking about he was going back to when Georgia Tech was relevant and when they were this, that, and the other. And I was trying to think back when they were better than when we were there. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe in the 50s. Um, but uh, the if you if you went back and looked, I kept looking for all the championships they had won and all the – and it's like, you know, he just distorted everything when he got there. I mean, I'll just call a spade a spade. I don't, I don't care. I got no respect for the guy, so I can say what I want. Uh, he he went in and distorted everything that was there and acted like we had never won a game. I know. And lied about who he inherited. Lied about the offensive line. Lied about, you know, us not going to the high schools in Georgia. He just told a bunch of whoppers, and it came back to get him. I mean, because there wasn't much substance there. Well, that was the thing that I think people were – that around the state were like, well, what is he he trying to do here? You know, you kind of went from a hard-nosed football coach who had success to P.T. Barnum. Well, you know what was really amazing, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. I've never been one to hold much back. (laughs) But – you know, the the opposing coaches in the league would call me, and they were laughing. And I had one particular coach who called me after they had really pounded him at home there in Atlanta. And he told me, he said, Paul, it's a circus. And he goes, I told my, my kids after the game in the locker room, he said, congratulations. He said, you just beat a team that physically had kicked our ass for the last three years. And he goes, I'm not just saying that to you. He said, when we got through with those games, he said, well, it was hard for us to play the next week because of the physicality and the, and the way you played. And uh, I had another coach who called me late on a Saturday night after they had beaten him, and he was laughing. He said, I even lined up your formation at the end just to stick it in. <laughs> and I was like, so, you know, I think the people who knew knew. Yeah. Uh, but uh, – and. And not only did it frustrate, I guess I got frustrated with it, he frustrated a lot of the former players who played there. Yeah. I mean, you know, there were kids who had played and won double-digit games and played in Orange Bowls and played in ACC championship games and just totally disrespected what they had done and the tradition and the history. And, you know, I told somebody the team that he inherited had won seven games had finished second in the Coastal. When I left, had four of the five offensive linemen coming back. Now, I could go into the story that one of them's dad told me who left, uh, you know, and those kind of things. But, and, you know, to say those kids averaged 250 pounds, and I mean, it just. That was a little was, much. Well, and it was a backhanded at them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know why you would do that. I mean, I followed a lot of coaches and. I think anybody who's been in the profession knows that when you go in, if you don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything. Right. But, you know, when I went into Georgia Tech, I was very appreciative of what Chan had done. I mean, we had some really good players that in the program. Now, we had holes like you do at, at everything. There were certain positions where we needed more guys or whatever. But, uh, you know, it, it didn't wouldn't have done me any good to go in and bash – Coach no. Gailey. No. Plus, I had a lot of respect for him. I thought he did a good job. So it was like, uh, 
I'd never, never done that. I mean, I inherited a program at Navy that had gone three and 30 the three years before I got there. And I didn't go in and bash the coaches or the players who were there. Or I think the year before I went to Georgia Southern, they won four games uh, before I went back as a head coach. So it's, uh, I think you're probably just making a lot of excuses when you do that and you're trying to, trying to alibi and, I was more disappointed with the administration for letting it go on. Yeah. That was surprising too, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I had, you know, I had a, a good relationship with Todd when when I was there mm -hmm. and and liked him and I was just stunned that they would let it go on cuz they knew what he was saying wasn't true. Right. Right. Coach Paul Johnson's our guest. And I I think from our perspective here, uh, I know uh Russ Brown who used to be my co-host to left last um year to go to Nebraska. Um, we would watch it, and Skipper, when he would join us, we would talk about it like, okay, let's give the guy a chance. You know, you want to try to see, all right, he's he's coming in after someone who was successful. Let's see what he can do. And then after a while, it just kind of got to be a freak show. It was like we kept on asking, I think, on a regular basis, what the hell is he doing? And, you know, then we heard the stuff about the push-ups on the sideline before the game and how people were laughing about that, how he would throw those sleeves up and do all that, and, and then the 404 stuff. And it was like, you know, you've got something to sell. You've got a great institution. You've got a program that's had success. Why are you trying to make it a trick show, you know? And I think that was what – and then after a while it was like, all right, this is inevitable. You know, didn't you feel that, Skipper? That oh, it was yeah. like this, this is not – this cannot end well. I've always said, Coach, there's like a – point of no return for certain coaches mm -hmm. to where, like, you know this isn't going to get any better. And I think after, like, the second year, it was like, this, this, how can this get better? Well, the only other coach that I have wanted to see go was Bill Lewis. Mm -hmm. That's because he went to Georgia. Yeah, I couldn't stand Bill Lewis. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, this guy's got to go. It just but Bill, you know, And you know what? Coach Lewis kind of did some things different from Bobby – Right, a little bit. I mean, he tried to do his own. But it's one thing about trying to put your own impression on a team. And this was like a different end of the spectrum with Collins, right? wasn't it? Yeah, you know, I stayed away from it. I know. Uh, because if I hadn't, I, would, I, I don't know what I would have done. But I stayed away from it. And uh, it's ironic. I ran actually ran into uh, our team dentist who had been there for 40 years. Dr. King had passed away. So I came back to Atlanta for his service and I ran into the one of the administrators wives and she's like oh we miss you so much why don't you come back to the game or why don't you come? and I looked at her and I went really <laughs> and she just kind of looked at me like she didn't know what I was talking about and I'm like really you haven't heard what this guy's saying and what he's doing and uh so I said well that's okay you guys will have to deal with it here shortly mm -hmm. and they did what yeah. is your relationship with the school like now uh it's good there, i went back for the last year for the north carolina game i was and, there uh, the uh, they honored you for the college mm -hmm, for the college football hall of fame mm -hmm. and you know you can't stay at a school for 11 years and not i mean i pull for him and uh i you know I, I hope brent can do a good job i think he's on the right track hopefully uh they're actually coming i think with some support and those guys are getting a lot of stuff that we <laughs> didn't get and hopefully they'll be successful. I mean, I I want nothing but success for Georgia Tech. I don't, I don't have any ill will towards the school. Uh, I was just disappointed. Uh, 
I had an image of what would happen when I retired or what I thought. I'm like, okay, let me leave this thing the right way. Uh, and, you know, I'll be in a position where if we stay in Atlanta, I'll drive over to practice or I'll hang out or whatever. I, like Kirk did with you. Yeah. I mean, I was happy to have Coach Russell around sure. or, or whatever. And uh, the I can remember when I first retired, I went to the training room. I tweaked my back a little bit. And they had already canceled my key, Bob. I couldn't get in. I mean, this is like a couple of weeks. So I couldn't get in the door. Uh I went around to the back, and I go in, and I go in the training room, and everybody was, like, petrified. They were scared, like, that they would be seen with me. Oh, my God. And one of the trainers said, Coach, if you'll come back, like, after everybody, I'll, I'll, I said, you ain't got to worry about me ever coming back. And it was like, you know, I just had the impression they were told. or I don't know if they were told. I think they were just scared to be associated, you know, because of the way he came in. And I knew a little bit about it because he was there a little bit when we were in bowl practice. And some of the guys who worked down in the recruiting office or whatever had already told me some stories about mm -hmm. the way he would talk to players to their face and then when they'd walk around the corner, trash them. And, Jeez. You know, so it was. But now with Key there, you would feel more comfortable doing something like that or not? He was very nice when I was there. I mean, I didn't really know Brent. I'd been around him in recruiting some, but. He was very cordial, and uh, he's called me a couple times and invited me down, and they've That's invited good. me to come talk to the team and this, that, and the other. So, you know, no, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel about not going. Although he was there while it was going on. Yep. Well, that and, that's and he also made a couple of statements uh, about we didn't come here to play small ball anymore and. This is easier to recruit to than Alabama. I think he's found that's probably not. not yeah. The case. <laughs> yeah, I remember that comment. Well, it's ridiculous that you had any thought in your head to make you feel anything different about what you did at Georgia Tech because of what someone like that said. Oh, I didn't have any thought. I, in mind. I know, but it, but, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Right. It's 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 unfortunate that someone <clears throat> would say something like that publicly to to make you feel anything different. And I know you don't, but I'm, I'm just saying we don't want to hear that. Right. Well, and it wasn't it, – honestly, it wasn't just me that I felt bad for. I felt bad for all the assistant coaches. Sure. The players who had, you know, done some really good things. I think – I can't remember the stat now, but I think it was seven or eight years we finished first or second in the Coastal yeah. out of 11. So it wasn't like that, that you go in and – Gosh, these guys have never won a game or never been in contention or never, you know. Yeah. And uh, no. it's a tough job. And and I'm sure that, that uh, they figured that out. And hopefully Brent's <laughs> got it going in the right direction. Now. I hope so. I hope so. We're going to take a break, come back. Uh, Coach Paul Johnson is our guest. We're going to talk about his days at Georgia Southern with Coach Russell and then, of course, taking over the program and winning two national championships. Coach Johnson will go in this weekend in the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. You can see him tomorrow here at the Fan Fest. We'll take a break and be back more right after this. Welcome back to our show. Bill and Skipper here at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame Museum with Coach Paul Johnson, who, again, is going in the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame 
this weekend and so well-deserved. And, of course, part of your story, not only in Atlanta but in Statesboro. And uh, could you expand a little bit on on the story of how uh, I'm going to – I get to talk about you tonight. I don't know if you know that, but I'm the MC tonight, oh, okay. so I get to talk about you. Uh, expand a little bit on, on how Coach Russell found out about you at the junior college in North Carolina. You had been – you had been – correct me if I'm wrong. You had been at the high school – and they were kind of going to do away with your job. You got the JUCO job, and then Coach Russell came in knocking. Is that right? Well, actually, I was when I graduated from college, I went back and coached at my high school where I played. And I would coached football and basketball. I was, I was like a JV basketball coach. They fired the basketball coach, and – they wanted me to coach basketball, and I didn't want to coach basketball because in North Carolina, <laughs> at the time, I thought I might want to live in my hometown, and they fired those guys like left and right. <laughs> so we had a new principal, a new superintendent, and they told me if I didn't do that, they were going to transfer me to a junior high to teach. Okay. Instead of being in high school. So the guy at the junior college had offered me a job coaching. Didn't pay much, but – I thought, well, I'll go back and get my master's. and So I went to the Ju- JUCO and then coached there at Lee's McCray Junior College and got my master's degree at Appalachian. And uh, I was at a JUCO All-Star game in Bassett, Virginia, and assistant coach at Georgia Southern, Ben Griffith, was there recruiting. And he had just kind of gotten started. I think Irk had hired him from Elbert County High School or somewhere. And he was kind of lost a little bit. And I told him, I said, if you will come by my room, I'll give you a list of guys you might have a chance to get because they were just starting up and they couldn't recruit the guys that were the, you know, the, the really good guys. So he comes to the room and we start talking about football and get the taking steps and blocking and angles and this, that, and the other. And he's like, we're going to hire an offensive line coach. He said, would you be interested in the job? He was the offensive coordinator. I go, yeah, well, maybe. I'd kind of lined up a – I was going to be a head high school coach at a school in North Carolina. And uh, he said, well, I'm going to talk to Coach Russell. So they call me and want to know if I can drive down for an interview, right? So Susan and I drive down. And when I get there, I go in and Coach Russell acts like he don't know that I'm coming or something. (laughs) He goes, well, we'll talk in the morning. I'm like, okay. So I go in the next morning and – he goes, well, we're not going to hire an offensive line coach. He's not leaving now. I'm like thinking, man, I just drove five hours. <laughs> and he's like, but I am going to hire a secondary coach. He said, would you be interested in that? I said, coach, I'll be honest with you. I said, I've never played in the secondary, never coached in the secondary. I'm not sure I'd ready to be a college secondary coach. I said, I'd be willing to learn if you want to teach me. He goes, okay, I'll be in touch. So I'm driving back up the road, and I tell my wife that was a wasted trip, you know. <laughs> but I'm okay because I was, you know, I'm going to take the job at the high school. Right. And so we get home, and the next morning he calls me, and he goes, I want to hire you. And I said, the secondary coach? And he said, well, I'm not sure where, but I'm going to hire you if you want the job. And I said, well, coach, what does it pay? I think it was like twelve thousand dollars. This was in nineteen eighty-three, and I go, well, I got to talk to my wife about that, coach. <laughs> and uh, 
So we talked, and she said, if you want to do it, she says, I'll get a job. And she goes, you know, you can always go back and get the high school job if you want it or whatever. You might give it a try. So I called him. I said, okay, Coach, I'll take the job. He said, okay, can you come tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> so I went. And by the time I got down there, I ended up coaching the defensive line and on defense for two years. And I was getting ready to leave and go to Gardner-Webb as the defensive coordinator. And my wife was from Shelby, which was at Gardner-Webb. And uh, in typical Irk fashion, he walked down there and he goes, let's go fishing. It was always with me, he'd either want to go fishing or go to the dog track. <laughs> so he said, let's go fishing. And so when you went fishing with Coach Russell, you had to load his butt in the boat and his beer cooler and all that. And, you know, we're on those South Georgia ponds, so we're paddling around. And, of course, you got to paddle. And uh, so we're out there in that hot sun for like two and a half hours, and he don't say diddle. I mean, he don't say nothing. So we get about 50 feet from the dock or the bank of the pond, and he goes, why are you going to leave? And I go, Coach, I go – I got a chance to be the coordinator and they're going to pay me more money or whatever. And I said, you never said anything about don't leave. And he goes, I want you to stay and be my offensive coordinator. And I'm like, okay. And he said, but I want to get back in the eye. I want to do what we did at Georgia. And before I went to Georgia Southern, I had never done the option. We'd always been a two back. We ran a little bit of inside veer, but not to that uh, degree I said okay if that's what you want and so the first two games in 1985 we played in the I formation and Middle Tennessee State beat the slop out of us in Statesboro we we didn't have a tight end we didn't have a full back I mean we didn't have the guys you need to run the eye and we're getting ready to go play Chattanooga and I walked down to his office, and Tim Stowers and Jay Russell was on the offensive staff with me. And we talked a little bit, and I walked down to Coach Russell, and I said, uh, what, they had been a double slot team. They threw it around a lot. They were really more run and shoot than they were the other. And I said, Coach, we want to change back to the double slot. And he goes, I don't want to throw I said, no, we're going to run it. I said, we want it. We got Tracy Ham. We, got some, we can do some things in that that we can't do in the eye. He said, well, let me think about it. And there was like, we were all in one office, the assistants, and he walked down in a few minutes and he called me out and he said, go ahead. So we put in about five plays, went to Chattanooga and won the game, came back and Rusty and Tim thought we were gonna move back. And I said, we ain't moving back. <laughs> and he said, well, go ahead. And that's how I got started. And then that, as fate would have it, the very first playoff game we had to go to Middle Tennessee, and they were ranked number one undefeated. And we beat them in Murfreesboro and went on win the national championship in '85. And uh, you know, of course, Tracy Ham was the quarterback, so it became the Hambone, and mm -hmm. that was it for a long, long time at Georgia Southern. That's what they did, and they they loved it. They they would bark when they didn't do it for right. sure, um, and and then to come back and have a chance to be the head coach there. What did that mean to you? Because you loved Statesboro, and it was it seemed like it was tough well, to leave. Actually, when I left, <clears throat> I got offered the offensive coordinator job at Hawaii after our 86 national championship game. And I went and talked to Coach Russell, and I said, uh, 
Coach, what do you think? And he said, would you want to be the head coach here? And I said, yeah, I'd like to do that. And he said, well, then go away. He said, it's easier to go and come back. And he said, if you don't, he said, as long as I'm coaching, you'll always have a job. He goes, if you ever need a job, he, he said, I'll hire you as long as I'm coaching. And uh, so I took the job. And actually, they quasi-hired me to go back when they hired Tim Stowers. And it fell through in the last 48 hours or oh, 24 really? hours. Oh, wow. But it didn't work to out. To replace Eric. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was fortunate because that was tough. it worked out better to be two behind. Yeah. And, uh, that was tough, wasn't it? Yeah. And so uh, then when uh, when they fired Tim, then they had that Frank Elwood for an interim, and then uh, I got the job then. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure Coach Russell was very instrumental in that because not at that point, not much happened in Statesboro that he didn't have pretty much control <laughs> of. Was he good to you when you came back as the head coach? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was great. I, I'll never forget – he came to practice. Uh, was probably our second week or third week, and he'd come and sit over there, and I'd go talk to him or whatever. And, but he came out to practice one day, and he. Uh, in fact, no, people don't know this is an interesting story. But when I first took the job there as the head coach, I didn't sign a contract, and they didn't they didn't have a contract ready, and I didn't sign it. And while I was there. Uh, the coach at Navy they thought was going to Baylor, and I got a call from Navy to come back and be the head coach, and they were going to buy out my contract at Georgia Southern and, you know, come back. And I got offered the offensive coordinator's job at Notre Dame. Oh, wow. And I didn't have a contract. contract to buy out. <laughs> so I went to talk to Coach Russell, and I've never seen a guy get so mad. He wasn't mad at me. He was mad at the administration because he said to think that Navy was going to pay them at least half a million dollars to buy out my contract, and I didn't have one, and and it all fell through. It didn't. None, I didn't, I wasn't going to go to Notre Dame, but but it fell through. So, uh, ended up there. But he gave me some invaluable advice my first year. I'm walking around, and he comes out on the field. You know, I kind of shuffled, and uh, he come. He said, "Boy, what are you doing?" I said, Coach, I'm just walking around being the head coach, I guess, checking it out. He said, get your butt over there and coach them quarterbacks and call the plays. He said, that's what you're good at, and that's how you can help the team. He said, that's why you got the job. And I thought about it, and from that point on, my whole head coaching career, I called every play. Mm. And – I never really fully coached the quarterbacks, but I was always there. And I had a young guy at, at Georgia Southern. It's great. I, you wouldn't find many guys like that today. Michael Carter, who was our quarterback coach, and they would go to put stuff in or they'd be in the meetings, so he'd be in the meetings with the quarterbacks. He'd just come to the office and get me the head coach's office. He said, Coach, can you come here and put this in? I'm like, Mike, you can put it in. He said, yeah, but they can understand it better when you do it. <laughs> and, and so we had a great relationship. He was good cop. I was bad cop. Yeah. He'd come to me. He'd go, you're making your quarterback cry again. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Coach Paul Johnson's here. Just a few more minutes with him. Um, how tough was it for you to deal with the criticism of the offense? Because you, you heard it all the time. Uh, you heard it all the time. I got used to it. It was so uh, 
there was such a misconception about it, and and it, you know there was a point where I just quit trying to explain it. It was like, you know, everybody thought all you do is dive on the ground and cut block and do that, and and that wasn't it at all. I mean, there was couldn't have been further from the truth. Now, you know, on the backside we what we call scoop blocked and, and they did some of that, but you know every team in America was doing that then, or not every team, but most of them, and. Uh, it was uh, because it was different and because a lot of people didn't like playing it. They tried to describe it and make it seem. And, you know, I would be less than truthful if I said that occasionally we had a player in recruiting who didn't want to play in it, but not like they made it out. Yeah. I mean, it was like you also had players who wanted to play in it that you got like a Justin Thomas uh, – you know, J.R. Revere who played quarterback for us at Southern. Uh, a, a lot of, I mean, I don't know that Josh Nesbitt would agree, but it was tailor made for Josh Nesbitt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you could have good receivers on your team even with that offense. We had great receivers. <laughs> and it was like, you know, the NFL guys used to tell us they loved our receivers because they would block. And they weren't just, just all now. You know, we weren't probably as sophisticated maybe as some people thought in the passing game. But, you know, a curling out's a curling out. You can call it whatever you want. A fade route's a fade route. And <laughs> uh, post corner's post corner. And, and, you know, and we threw all those routes. I mean, we had a tree or whatever. We just didn't throw it a lot. Mm -hmm. And early on with the offense, like when I left Georgia Southern, People don't realize, I think, in our 85 national championship game with Tracy, he threw for 440 yards. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And uh, when I coached the University of Hawaii, our quarterbacks had every passing record until June came in there with a run and shoot where they sure. threw it every down. Sure. We always used to joke every August in your first <laughs> press conference at Georgia Tech, we would always say, all right, how long is it going to be before someone asks you the question, hey, Coach, are you going to throw the ball more this year? Happened every year, didn't it? Well, the biggest thing, <laughs> the one that I thought was the funniest, two things. One was it's not a good third and long offense. I don't know many good third and long offenses. But <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the other one was, well, there's the blueprint. They've caught up with it. Yeah. You know, somebody can stop a zone team for one week, but it's not the blueprint. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, there's the I – can, I can give you the blueprint. It's all those 290-pound guys up front that kick the crap out of you and, and you can't get back to the line. doesn't matter what you do. That's the blueprint. Yeah, absolutely. So it was uh, – that was always funny. And But sometimes it would it, – it's ironic is that if a team played pretty good against you, like – Okay, let's say if we're playing Clemson when they were really good on defense in their heyday or whatever with all those guys, well, the next week you might play Duke and they're going to line up like Clemson. Well, guess what? It didn't work this time. <laughs> and you probably loved that, didn't you? Yeah. You because, enjoyed that. Well, because I knew how to fix my side. <laughs> and if you're doing something different, I wasn't sure you knew how to fix yours. Yeah, yeah. So That's awesome. Did you get – and this is probably a bad question, but it was it was always like – the offense was never the problem. It was like the defense. You could never find the right combination to run your defense. Well, what happens was that was another big misnomer that you practiced against the option all the time. Yeah. And 
you know, I don't know that I ever had a defensive coordinator that complained against it because you learn how to play the blocks and it was a toughness thing. Maybe Al grow, I don't know. But the uh, <laughs> you know, they're playing once you start the season, they're playing against a scout team. Yeah. Like all the time. It's not you know, you might do a one minute drill and we do one minute or two minute drills against each other or goal line, but we never lined up and played against each other in the season. Uh and you know, that was a misnomer. I think that one of the problems you have on defense is we never had a problem on defense at Georgia Southern. We were always top ten in the country because guess what? We had pretty good players on defense. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, they found out that maybe when you have to play 15 possessions or 18 instead of 12, you still have problems on defense. <laughs> you know, they've gone through a couple guys at Georgia Tech already. Well, and I, and I, meant, I meant the coordinators. I didn't mean because of yeah, the well, practice, you know. I think what happens is it, it it's hard to get the defensive linemen. And if you don't have the big defensive linemen uh, – it's hard to play defense. And sure. the one thing that, that we were able to do with our offense is we were able to control that a little bit. And, you know, if you're going to play 12 possessions a game versus 19 possessions a game, you might not have to be as good on defense. And if, we always felt like if we could get a couple turnovers and two stops, we could win. And because you're only going to get the ball 12 times. And, and you put a lot of pressure. You'd hear the other teams talk about when they came into play, you got a lot of pressure on their offense because they know they're not going to get the ball. I mean, if they go three and out, they might not see it again for eight minutes. Sure, sure. Who's well, the we, 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 we got to we got to run because you got to get him back. And and uh, we appreciate your time so much. We'd love to sit and talk two hours with you and talk uh, talk football. And if you ever get bored out there on that golf course, mm -hmm. we'll we'll call you and get you on the air. But coach, uh, we, we we do miss you, and we. Um, we we are so happy that you're going in the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame this weekend for all of your great work in both Statesboro and Atlanta. And thank you so much for spending some time with us. All right. Well, thank you. It's good to see you guys again. All right. We're going to take a break, come back with more sports talk here on this Friday from the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame right after this. Short segment here on the program as we are at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. Our thanks again to Coach Paul Johnson, CPJ. Always great to uh, see him and talk to him. Haven't seen him since he retired, obviously, so it's great to see him, and we appreciate it so much and just so happy for him. Two national championships at Georgia Southern in five years and then 11 very good years at Georgia Tech and uh, just a, a great run. And I think you know even more about how good it was now that they have not been good for the year since he left. And he uh, deserves tremendous credit for what he did at Georgia Tech and um, very happy for him to go in the Hall of Fame. Again, uh want to continue to remind you that tomorrow at 1 o'clock here at the museum in Macon, downtown Macon on Cherry Street, it will be the Fan Fest. And it will be the opportunity for you to come and enjoy the inductees for this year who are going in and also some previous Hall of Famers who will be here. And again, it's Sharif Abdurrahim, the former Hawk player and also from Wheeler County up in Atlanta. 
Wendy White, a great junior tennis player who was on the WTA for about 12 years. Eric Berry, great player at Creekside High School who also had a great career at the University of Tennessee and for the Kansas City Chiefs. Coach Paul Johnson, as you just heard, he, of course, is going in. And also we have uh, Chris Carpenter, great two-way player at the University of Georgia when he was with the Bulldogs, both as a pitcher and also as a punter and had a career in the major leagues. Thomas Davis, the great linebacker and safety who played for, of course, the University of Georgia and then went into the NFL and played for Carolina and had a great career in the NFL. Claude Felton, the outstanding sports information director for the University of Georgia from Savannah High School, Savannah, Georgia. He's going in, and, of course, Brian McCann as well, the former Braves catcher who is going in. And the jacket ceremony tonight, and, again, it's – it's the honor of my year, really. It's the highlight of my year to be able to emcee the event tonight for the jacket ceremony because I get to talk about everybody. <laughs> I get to talk about the inductees. They don't say a word tonight, so I get to talk about them and highlight their career achievements. And then tomorrow night they will be able to speak with the with the ceremony there at the Make It Sit Auditorium. So a, a great event, and we're so uh, happy and again for those of you in other parts of the state obviously savannah and brunswick we invite you if you're coming through macon to go to atlanta or anywhere if you're just out looking for different things to do in the state please come and enjoy the georgia sports hall of fame go online you can google at georgiasportshalloffame.com and the hours there they're open uh, tuesday through saturday and it's a tremendous museum Great inductees. Our history in this state with sports is ridiculous. Every year we have inductees, and it's like, oh, yeah, they have to be in the Hall of Fame. And we're very fortunate about that. So we hope if you're ever in the Macon area, you will visit the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. And don't forget, you can nominate someone who you think needs consideration for the Hall of Fame. Go to that website, georgiasportshalloffame.com, and check out the nomination process. Fill it out. Send it to us here at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. All the information is there on the website, and we'll be glad to put that name in for consideration for the upcoming classes and years to come. So we're going to take a break, and as we do, we'll open up the phone lines here for this afternoon. We hope to have Brian McCann a little bit later on. He's stuck in traffic, so we're going to work on that, and hopefully he'll get here safe and sound. 478-646-3776. 478-646-ESPN. That is our number. Got plenty to talk about. You can talk about our conversation with Coach Paul Johnson. You can talk about any of the Hall of Famers. You can talk about Brian McCann's career if you'd like to. Braves getting ready. Georgia, Georgia Tech with baseball and basketball. All kind of things going on. We'd love to hear from you. At Bill Shanks on Twitter as well. We'll continue to talk sports with you on this Friday afternoon here on the Bill Shanks Show. Mm-hmm. 